Yeah, hello again, everybody, and welcome back, man. Thank you for taking time to join us. The Musicians Cafe is open for business, and we invite you to come on inside. Happy post-4th of July to everybody. We hope you had a great celebration of the birth of America, and uh, it was safe and happy and fun for everybody. I know we certainly had a good time. My name is Brian Dick, and I'm hanging out here with my co-host, a man who has been known to stick a feather in his cap and call it macaroni, Mr. Chris Yankee Doodle Gray. Chris, man, how you feeling today? I'm good. Had the day off yesterday, um, of course, celebrating the 4th, and um, phenomenal. So uh, it's always a good day when you get a day yeah. off, get to relax a little bit and hang out. Yeah, it's been kind of like, a, you know, that Monday kind of interrupts things for some people. You know, you kind of have Saturday, Sunday, then you got to do Monday. And Tuesday's off, but if we could just have that money, be a nice long four day. I'm going to put in for that. What do you think? I'm I'm down. <laughs> I think so, well, folks, again, we're glad that you joined us, and we are uh, we are in the presence of a legend here uh, this evening. We've got one uh, a gentleman here that has been so well known around Winchester for so many years. He wears a lot of different hats, as I mentioned to him earlier. He is none other than Phil Zuckerman, Mr. Zuckerman. Thank you for being here, and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, we have been looking forward to this. You and I reached out to each other. Uh, I know we want to talk a lot about about the 100 years of Hanley. Uh, you're very involved with that. Uh, we want to talk about the rock room that you've been doing since 2009 or something like that, I think it was. Right. Yeah. And then I also want to talk about when you were playing way back in the day, because I know some uh, I know there were some good bands back then, too. So uh, we're glad to have you, and thank you. Chris, man, I look at you shuffling papers there. It looks like you have a menu. I do. Will you mind going through that for us? Sure. All right. Uh, I'm going to start at the Tally Ho Theater on the 6th, uh, Friday night. Satisfaction, which is a Rolling Stones tribute band. Mm -hmm. uh, on the 7th is an emo night, Leesburg. Yeah. So I looked it up. There's there's no description, right? It's just an emo night. Well, if you look, dig a little bit. You know, emo is sort of like a lifestyle. Is that right, Chris? It's sort of more your it age group, I think, that, right? It, it was something. It's, it's, that's what it has to do with, sort of those darker bands, maybe a little bit. And yeah, so yeah, it sounds like something fun. All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. On the 8th is uh, Emmett Swimming. Now, this is a benefit for a uh, Virginia legend. Yeah. Andy Waldneck. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They're trying to raise money for him. Having some health issues. So, yeah. Um, and fun fact, the Tally Who Theater is on the show next week. Very excited about that. We're making a trip down to Leesburg to do that show. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. The Hollywood Casino on the 14th. Now, this is uh, next week. Uh, is Chris Jansen. You guys might uh, recognize his song, um, You Could Buy Me a Boat. Right. That's when he got big in like around 2015, somewhere in there. Uh, and then on the 15th is The Gang's All Here, which is a Skid Row tribute. Yeah, man, I'd like to see that. Skid Row is a good band. Uh, Bear Chase Brewery, uh, Rain on the Mountain on the 7th is Against the Grain. The 8th is Jeremiah Prophet, as well as Cela Campbell. Uh, Sela just played at the festival in Burkittsville yeah. uh, this past weekend and saw some videos. She was phenomenal. So we'll try to get her on the, the uh, cool. show here before too long. Phil, have you ever been over to Bear Chase? Have you been up there? No, I haven't. I haven't? Yeah. No. I, I, I feel like I need to go there. It sounds like a really cool place. I haven't haven't made that journey yet. Oh, and then on the 9th at Bear Chase is Nathaniel Davis. Box Office Brewery Strasburg on the 7th is Con Birch Band. Yeah. And on the 8th is Foundry Street Project. Do you know anything about them? I don't. And I need to. That's a new name, actually. I hadn't recognized that one before, so i got to do a little homework. I think I looked up the Con Birch Band, and they have a trio as well. Yeah, we've had them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they're good. It's a country band. Plays a lot of different covers. Um, they're in the Strasburg area, 
Woodstock area. So check them out on the 7th. Cool. Uh, and then Foundry Street on the 8th. Troubadour Lounge and Park on the 7th is the Weber Brothers. Uh, Piccadilly Public House on the 7th. Jimmy Lee? Yeah. If he's back to singing? I was going to say it. We've got to find out for sure about Jimmy. Um, but I hope he is. Yeah. And then on the 8th is Barker and Schuster. Another uh, couple guys we want to have on the podcast. Right. The Monument on the 7th is Brian Martin. And then on the 8th at the Monument is Chaos Fest. Now, yeah. This sounds like chaos just by the names of the band. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to go it through these be really fun, quick. Man. Dixie Filth. Yeah. Mr. Grizzly. Phantom Hourglass. Dead Switch, Deathless, Flesh of the Lotus, and then um, Ashes of Everest, and the headliner is Half Heard Voices. Yeah. So um, that sounds like a good. It, it sounds kind of. Is wild. there any veterans from the rock room in any? Do you recognize any of those, Mr. Zachman at all? No, I don't. You don't? No. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, Dixie Fields, we've actually mentioned before, and I, yeah, I, I'd be curious to find out. If all those are local or if they've traveled in the, and you know, I'm curious about that show. I don't know. And the eighth is Sunday. Is that accurate? Yeah, right. I don't know. I've lost track. Fifth is Holy six, cow. Seven, Let me bring the eighth. calendar real quick. That should be Saturday night. Saturday night, I believe. Yes, it's Saturday. Saturday night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. I know, right? We should have known that. He did he had it. All right. Um Bright Box Theater on the eighth, raised on analog. Uh just hung out with some of those guys. Yeah. Um Great band if you haven't seen them, so go check out the Bright Box on the 8th. Paladin and Stephen City, we didn't have information yet, um, but I'm sure they have some music going on uh, this weekend. Uh, P2 and Clearbrook, when the 7th is Daryl Marini, and the 8th is Shane Gamble. Yeah, man. Daryl should be a lot of fun. Check him out. Backseat Bar and Grill on the 14th, again, two weeks from now. Uh, Little Texas with Marv Ashby and High Octane. Uh, we know that Marv is awesome his high octane's tight yeah. uh and then of course little texas is a little bit bigger uh, but that's gonna be a hell of a show that that's, should be a lot of fun that's in the event center right it is yep okay yeah and on the 15th is high voltage and cold gin yeah two tribute bands there that should be a lot of fun too high voltage obviously acdc and then cold gin's been around quite a while they do kiss and i know they're great too so that'd be fun yep now phil do you have any relation with um Marv Ashby at all? Do you guys have a relationship? Uh, we we know each other. I mean, uh, my son Ian and his son Jed have played together in bands over the years. So, uh, yeah, we have a good connection there. That's cool. Marv's such a great story. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know everybody we talk to just sounds like he's such a great guy. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we had him on the podcast, so we know it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Very cool. And then we're going to top it all off with uh, West Oaks Farm Market on the 7th. Uh, for Friday Night West Oaks is going to be Shane Gamble and then followed up by the Hearts. Uh, on the 8th, the Barbecue, Brews, and Bluegrass Festival is happening. That's a big event they have every year, and that's going to be featuring Chris Hunt Jr. as well as Flat Broke um, with Gerald Kroll and the boys, so make sure you come hang out. Right. Uh, and then the 9th, Sunday, is Mr. Jeff Foose will be there. Yeah, sounds fun. That's the end of the menu, Brian. Um, you got a trivia question for folks? Man, I do. And thank goodness you reminded me before the show started, or I would not have had one. But you reminded me, so I appreciate it. Yeah. So I scrambled around, and I found one I thought was kind of fun, uh, because it'll make everybody think a, l- a little bit, I believe. But uh, you got to wind your clock back to the 20th century, because we're in the 21st century at this point. So during the 20th century, what do you believe is the most downloaded song? Now... Keyword in there, downloaded. 
because that means you have to get it off the internet. So that's going to change things a little bit. But what do you think might be the most downloaded song of the 20th century? And it might be close on the 21st century. I have a, I have a guess, but uh, well, throw it I'll, out there. I'll wait. Throw it out there. Uh, Billy Jean? That's a good guess, but no, not the correct one. Not the correct one. But Mr. Zuckerman's thinking, I'm telling you. Phil, do you got a guess, too? I don't know. Uh, I Are was thinking get- of, uh, I know that Every Breath You Take was one of the most played songs on the radio, but I don't know if it was. That's a good guess, too. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought about that. But I, yeah, you're right. That's a very, very, very popular song. Either one of them is not the one that the answer is given to be, so we're going to have to wait to the end of the show before I give it up. Fine. But it is a song that everybody has heard, and some people might even say ad nauseum. So I'll make sure I give you that that answer in just a little bit. <laughs> okay, Mr. Zuckerman, thank you again for being here so much. I, I need to call you Mr. Zuckerman. I, I don't know if it's that or I should call you Phil. I don't know. Phil is fine. I'm yes. wrestling with that over I, here. I've been, I've been called worse. <laughs> well, I, I just feel like, I, you know, to, to be honest, I feel, you know, it's an honor that you're here because you, you've been part of the music scene in this area my entire life. I, as I mentioned when we started, as I was a really young man, I knew your band, The Fly, and so, you know, here you are 45 years later or whatever it may be, and you're sitting in, in my dining room having a, having a good time on a, a podcast with me. That's, that's really kind of surreal to me. It's really cool because I've just known you for so long that the Mr. Zuckerman sort of feels like it's where it needs to be, I guess. But anyway, thank you for being here. And I don't know where to start. Do you want to start with what you got going on right now with the, with the handling 100 years? I know that's very important. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I'm in charge of booking uh, these music events uh, starting in June of this year, and it's going to be uh, one event every month until next May. Right. So, uh, and the caveat is that they want people who attended Hanley High School. Okay. Even if it's one person in a band, you know, that's kosher. <laughs> Works. I like it. So, uh, I've had my work cut out for me. Um we already had our first event, which I played for and my son's band played for. And uh, <clears throat> we did that because nobody else was available for that particular oh, day. Oh, wow. Okay. And I thought, well, I'll throw something together. And how'd it go? Went well, right? You had a good time? Yeah, we it was sold out. We had a good time. Uh, nobody threw any cell phones at us, so I was <laughs> grateful for that. I knew better. Uh, but yeah, it went really well. We might do it again sometime. Yeah. Curious as to what sort of things you were were playing that night. Did you kind of cover a large genre of different music, or how'd that go? We did um, some uh, Hendrix. Okay. Eric Clapton. Okay. Good. Jeff Jeff Beck. We actually did a tribute to Jeff Beck. I had a slideshow prepared, but unfortunately the uh, uh, the device wouldn't work. So, oh. but we did the, we did because we've ended as lovers, which is one of my favorites by. And um, and then uh, we did some uh, some blues and uh, when Terry and uh, Scott came up, Terry Oates and Scott Larrick. Yeah, we did uh, "Superstition" by Stevie Wonder. Stevie, yeah, there you go. And so yeah, we had a good jam going. Dang, it sounds like a lot of fun. You said it was yeah. sold out, right? Yes, it was. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Was there any original music out of that, or was it all covers? I did one original song that I had on a CD that I had out in 2000 uh, called You Are Your Own Best Friend. And my both of my sons, uh, Ian and Nathan, got up and played with me on that one. Uh, when I had that CD released in 2000, 
we did some gigs together. It was myself, my two boys, and Bud Strauderman played mm-hmm. drums. And awesome. I think we did the Blues House uh, event that year, along with some other people. So, uh, that, you know, when you get a chance to play with your kids, that's that's the most... That's the best you can ask for. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure. I, I've actually done that, and I can agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yep. And they're both great musicians. I mean, they, they make, make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, you're from Hanley, um, which does that mean that you uh, were born in Winchester? You've always been a Winchester guy? Yeah, my, my grandfather came to Winchester, I think it was around 1915, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. And he was a scrap dealer, so he he had a donkey and a a wagon, and he would go around and collect scraps or whatever he could, and then he would resell it. And eventually, he built it into quite a, a business. And of course, my my dad and his brothers took that over. So um, yeah, we've been here a long time. My dad went to Hanley, and uh, I actually didn't graduate from Hanley. I, I started there in the seventh grade back when it started then. And uh, we were in the uh, Whittier Acres subdivision, and, and there was an annex. Happened. Oh, okay, yeah. So we, we were in the county now. So I got shipped over oh. to James Wood. Did you really? Okay. Yeah, I graduated from James Wood by the skin of my teeth. Oh, my. And uh, so I, I went to both schools, so I... You know, now that means that uh, when James Wood has their 100-year celebration, that'll be in 2050. Yes. So I'm going to perform for that. I'll be 100 years old. So We're looking forward to that. <laughs> it's it's going to be great. I like it. It's yeah. already on your calendar. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I do too. There's, yeah. a, there's an attachment with the high schools around here um, that you just don't see anymore. Um, and maybe, you know, uh, you see it too, but folks that went to Hanley and James Wood for that matter in, in the, the seventies. Um, just, just have this attachment to the high schools yes. that you just don't see anymore. Um, so I guess you, do you have it to both or is it strictly Hanley? Um, no, actually both. Um, of course, you know, James Wood has our reunions. We had our 50th a couple of years ago. Uh, Boo Snyder and I performed at a, an event for that. And uh, I think they're getting ready to plan 55 here oh, for wow. too long. So uh, I don't attend the Hadley ones because uh, I don't like them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's funny. Um, no, they don't invite me for some reason. Invite what? me to it. I was going to say, what the heck? <laughs> Please. <Darn it. laughs> yeah, that's straightened out. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, all of us can admit, Phil, that, you know, I'm a James Wood graduate. All my family did. There's no prettier school in the state of Virginia than John Hanley High School. It's just the way it is. And because it's been there the longest of all the high schools, it you know, it should and does have the deepest roots. Um, when did, the, I, I mean, yeah, everybody saw the 100-year celebration coming. I get that. Mm-hmm. But when did planning sort of start like, hey, guys, we got to jump on top of this. We want to do a lot of different things for 100 years. When was the first that you sort of got contacted about all that? Uh, it was, I know it started about a year ago, um, Kimberly Ball, who happens to be uh, a neighbor of mine, uh, contacted me, uh, and it's been almost a year ago, and asked me to take on this task, and uh, at first I said, no! <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about it, and I thought, well, yeah, I'll give it a shot, see what I can do, because I, I mean, I've booked bands over the years, sure. my own bands and whatnot, but to, to do a whole... Uh, you know, series like this uh, was a little bit intimidating, 
but uh, I've enjoyed doing it. I've there's a lot of people that um, I know personally who are going to be involved in it musically. So right, uh, it's special to me to be able to get them involved in it. Gotcha. What can you pull the curtain back a little bit and let us know what you got? I know you just finished one this weekend. What are we looking for now? What's coming up next? Well, Chris just mentioned the one uh, on the 8th uh, coming up this Saturday, and that's uh, oh. with uh, Raised on Analog. I wondered. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. And three of those members yeah. are Hanley alumni. Yeah. yeah, they sure are. And the drummer is Jeremy Owens, and he's, uh, he's probably the youngest, I think, in the band, but he also plays drums in some of my rock room bands. Oh, nice. Okay. And I actually taught him guitar when he was young. So he's been with the rock room for for a long time. So, And that particular event is going to be um, standing only. So it's you know they're a great dance band. Sure. Uh, they do have seats around the perimeter if people aren't familiar with the Bright Box. So uh, you can sit if, if need be, but um, mainly for dancing. So I hope people come out and support that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's other events that are not having to do with uh, the music series, but uh, on July 13th, there's going to be uh, a get-together at Hanley at uh, 6.30, and it's basically um, just a, uh, a walk-through kind of thing. Uh, and then on the 18th through the 23rd, they're going to have a photo exhibit uh, at the uh, Museum of Shenandoah Valley. Okay. And that's a free event. And they're just going to have uh, some photos of years past that will be up there for that. And then uh, August 19th, uh, Mojo Mothership is going to be playing. Very cool. And I think you all have had them on the We have, podcast. yes. Yep. Yeah. We definitely have. They were with us the other night, too. It was fun. And uh, uh, Cindy Abramos, a 1982 graduate of Hanley. And they're a great blues band. Uh, that's going to be a seated event. And uh, tickets are on sale now for that. For all the Brightbox events, uh, people can go to uh, the Brightbox website. I think it's brightboxwinchester.com. Okay. And uh, then Thursday, September 7th, uh, Shenandoah University is hosting renowned opera singer Norman Shankel. And this is a free program at Goodson Hall at 7.30. Norman attended uh, both Hanley High School and Shenandoah University. Wow, okay. Then on uh, September 16th at the Bright Box, Zapote is a five-piece salsa group. They do Latin music, Brazilian. Uh, They're from New York. And Dawn Drake is a 1990 graduate of Hanley High School. And they're from New York, so they're coming all the way down here to wow. perform. That's going to be another dancing event, so that should be a lot of fun. That is fantastic. Cool. Then they're going to have an arts and crafts event September 23rd, and that's going to be at Hanley also. I think it starts around 10 a.m. And uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, yeah, Friday, October 13th, there'll be a special event at the Wilkins Event Center at Shenandoah University. Uh, details for that will be coming soon. It's a ticketed event, and it's for uh, anybody that wants to attend, but it's almost like a giant Hanley reunion. I got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're going to have music and all kinds of things going on. 
And then on the 15th of October, they're going to have what's called a family day. These will be activities for all ages. I think that's going to be from noon to four o'clock. And uh, now homecoming is October 14th. So um, they're not having anything um, at uh, in particular, except uh, I think they're going to have tours of the school if you want to go see Hanley School and get a tour. And that's going to be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Right. They're going to have to put some more seats in the Hanley Bowl, I believe. Wow. <laughs> I bet you will be. You know what? I'll bet you you're right about that. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday, November 11th, at the Winchester Moose Lodge, will be Maud and the Rockers. All right. And yes. that's sponsored by the Judges Athletic Association. Uh, Gary McIntyre, Boo Snyder, yeah. and myself are Hanley alumni. And this will be the first public appearance that we've done since, I think, 2013. We played uh, last year for my son Ian's wedding reception. Oh, nice. That was fun. And, yeah, that was fun to do. And uh, the ticket information for Modern the Rockers, that's all going to be forthcoming as soon as we get all that together. So that's going to be a ball. We played there. Last time we played there, I think we had like 700 people or something. That's something. Wow. Uh, although <laughs> it's that's been cut back now. I think there's going to be maybe 400, 450 allowed ticket sales or something. Wow. I guess that has to do with the, the uh, fire department or something. And also I did want to mention that in a lot of these events, uh, Joe Boyd, who is a Hanley graduate, yeah. uh, is going to be emceeing these events. So he's been helping out with that end. Uh, he emceed our event that we had recently. And... Uh, does a great job. As a matter of fact, he there's a video on my YouTube channel for the Rock Room that has uh, the concert that we did. It has Joe's introduction, and it also has the Jeff Beck tribute. Oh, nice on there. So if anybody wants to see that, it's free and open to the public. So please take a look at that. And I think that's pretty much it as far as the uh, Hanley events go. Sounds like a great schedule. There's a lot of cool things going on there. My goodness. Yeah, they've uh, put a lot of time into this, uh, especially Kim Kimberly Ball. Uh, she's been working really hard. We get together at least uh, once a week, once every other week to go over things, and she's she's really put a lot of effort into this. And there's other people involved as well, but she's the she's my main contact for. For this series. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting that together and going over that with us, man. I'll tell you, Chris, busy schedule, buddy. Oh, yeah. And it's going all summer, right? Um, so November were the dates? It went through November? November is the 11th. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's a summer packed full of events for you guys. Now, is that posted anywhere for people to go see? Um, like if they went and looked at the Hanley website or... Yes, the, there's, uh, the Handley website is onehandley.com, and they also have a Facebook page. And I have my own Facebook page for the events, and it's just the uh, Handley 100-year uh, music series. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Well, Phil, um, like Brian said at the beginning of this podcast, um, he said legend. He said the word legend, and we don't say that a whole lot here. Yes, I uh, For somebody like me, who has just not heard your name a whole lot, being from 
the county uh, and a younger generation. Tell me what makes Phil Fly Zuckerman who he is today. Where'd you start? You said your grandfather uh, has been in Winchester. You guys, you've been in Winchester your whole life. Um, but how did you get into music in the first place? Uh, and how did you get to sitting in Brian Dick's living room today? <laughs> how much time do we have? Yeah, we got plenty. Roll tape, everybody. <laughs> enough. enough. <laughs> well, I first got interested in uh, the guitar. I think I was about eight years old, and I saw Ricky Nelson on TV on okay. the Ozzy and Harriet show. Oh, yeah. He's playing with his band. People are you know, standing there, and I said, that's what I want to do. And I, I don't know what it was, but something just flipped on a switch. And uh, pretty soon after that, I started taking lessons at uh, GNM Music Store. And I did that for, I don't know, maybe a year or two. And I got bored with it. And uh, after that, I started just teaching myself by listening to the radio and trying to pick out songs by ear. And then uh, a friend of mine... <clears throat> that lived up the street. He was actually a friend of my my brother's, my older brother, was visiting one day and he heard me playing guitar, and he said, hey, you want to start a band? I play drums. And I said, sure, why not? Awesome. So that was Gary Haynes. Okay, yeah. Arlo. Yeah, I know Arlo very well, yeah, or didn't know him, yeah. So we started off, and it was just drums and guitar. So, you know, the band White Stripes? Yes. We were the first White Stripes. I <laughs> gotcha, yeah. yeah. We were called the Brown Stripes. No. <laughs> we actually called the Spiders. Okay. And we would play for uh, events at his church, like Halloween or Christmas or whatever. And uh, eventually we added uh, a saxophone player, David Wright. And David went on to play with the Navy Band. And he has uh, a big band in the D.C. area. And they play for the senators and the presidents oh, nice. and all kinds. Okay. Of, so he's still doing that. Uh, unfortunately, Arlo passed away um, yeah. a couple years ago. He did. But after that, um, I played in different bands over the years. Uh, probably the most well-known locally would be Mod and the Rockers. And I uh, played with them for uh, a couple years before I graduated. After that, I went to school in Nashville to a uh, broadcasting school where you basically just go and learn how to DJ and you get your third class operator's license and all that stuff. <clears throat> but I wanted to go. My parents wanted me to learn a trade. I said, okay, well, I'm going to Nashville. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Nashville and what was cool back then, you can't do it now, but you could go to a publisher's company and walk in the door and say, I've got some songs. They'd say, come on back. We'll listen to them. You wow. Know, that one doesn't happen now. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Nothing ever really happened, but it was still just a great uh, experience. Uh, I wasn't playing any music down there. I was just actually I was doing a lot of songwriting and just um, playing by myself. And then uh, I got home, went to work for a radio station in Gaithersburg, and that lasted two weeks. <laughs> um, I was on the graveyard shift. Oh, yeah, that's tough. And at first, everything was canned. You know, I just push a button. Sure. Just sat there, and, yep. you know, took a nap, whatever. <laughs> and uh, it might have been the first night I was in there, and the music was playing, and I get a phone call, and it's one of the head DJs. He said, there's dead air. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's nothing coming over the speakers. Oh, wow. I said, well, I can hear it in here. And he said, well, look up there, and there's a little switch. Hit that switch. So I did that. Came that on. worked. Yeah, so. 
It's like a DJ's worst nightmare, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and um, then I got into trouble because uh, I had a, one of my music friends, Ron Wilson, worked at uh, the Capitol Records factory when it was in Winchester. Remember that, yeah. So he would get these albums and bring them, you know, give them to us. And this was before they were released to the public. So one of those was Paul McCartney's first solo album. And I'm, I played it, and um, I think it was, I don't know if it was the owner of the station. Somebody came in and was giving me a hard time. And, and uh, he said, how did you get that record? I said, we don't have it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was in their good graces for a little bit. but um, And then one night I played uh, Steppenwolf's uh, The Pusher. Pusher, there we go. I knew it. Yeah, okay. And got in trouble for that. <laughs> <clears throat> Not the most radio-friendly yeah. song in the world. Yeah, right. But I decided uh, that just wasn't my bag, so I left that. Understood. And then I started playing full-time, putting bands together, and I did that for the next 10 years, playing in clubs and traveling up and down. Uh, we we would go to Flint, Michigan, and Ann Arbor, and we'd go up to New York, New Jersey, down wow. South Carolina. We had, a, we had a booking agent that would do this. Usually we'd go somewhere and we'd be there two weeks at a time, and so we'd have a hotel room or what have you. And uh, well, you're grinning. I had to be yeah, a lot of fun there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was it was great. <laughs> uh, and then we uh, and this was we'd play five or six nights a week, five sets a night. So that's how you really five sets. Yeah, five sets. Sure. A week. Wow. No thanks. So, uh, and of course, it was mm. all top forty sure. stuff. Yeah, you know, and we all had to dress alike back then, and all that stuff. Were they suits or what did you dress? Well, in? not really. Well, yeah, we had some suits, and then we would just have shirts that okay, all hats like. and stuff. Yeah. And back then, the thing to do was to drive up to Philadelphia and go to this uh, photography shop, and uh, the man's name escapes me, but everybody went to this guy to get their photos done. So we did all that, and uh, it was a great experience. But uh, eventually, I got uh, someone in California interested in my music. His name was Terry Schmidt. He had been a former. Uh, uh, he was somehow he's involved with the group, the association. Okay, yeah, I remember those. Mm-hmm. So uh, I flew out there with with Buddy Stardeman, and we met him. And he said, "You need to move out here." You know, and this is where it's happening. So I did. I moved out there. This was 1979. And he got me a gig with this uh, little lounge band. And again, it was a full-time band. Right. And um, Linda eventually came out with me, and she ended up working in a flower shop doing designing. So uh, when that band fell apart, um, oh, while I was there, I, I did get in to see some people. I got in to see the uh, vice president of A&R at uh, Capitol Records. Okay. So just being able to walk in that building yeah. and get in the elevator and actually go <laughs> to see somebody was uh, was quite a thrill. Sure. Uh, and he liked my stuff. He thought maybe I had a shot as a songwriter. But, I mean, I, what people look for in that, in that business is they want somebody that has a really unique voice, you know, that really stands out. And I, I'm a pretty good singer, but I, I don't really have what I would consider to be that unique sound. Um, I was also told that by uh, 
in 82, I think it was, I went to Nashville and took, made the rounds with my music. Right. And one of the uh, people I saw was uh, Richard Frank, who had been Patsy Cline's lawyer. Okay. And you think, well, why, why do you go to a lawyer, you know? But those lawyers are involved in the music business. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. on the lookout for talent as well, because they can always get a piece of the pie, you know? Right. And he listened to my stuff, and he, he told me, he said, look, you're, you have a nice voice, but it's just not unique enough to really make a splash, you know? So I learned a lot from that. Uh, then after that, I came. Uh, we came back to uh, Winchester to start our family, and I went to work for my dad for a while. And uh, then I decided to uh, got an offer to, to teach at Shenandoah Music. Nice. Okay. Uh, Roger Strauss-Snyder was nice enough to ask me, and started started doing that. And I was still playing music uh, part time on the weekends. And uh, after teaching at Shenandoah Music for years, I decided to start my own business. I had some students who uh, were interested in getting together with other musicians. And sure. So I was trying to figure out how I could do that. So I put an ad in the paper that I was looking for a, a building or something to do that and got a call from uh, some people that uh, have the uh, Fort Collier or Civil War Center because they have a building on there. <clears throat> And they offered to rent that to me, and, and so I did that. And like you say, it was in 2009, so I've been there. It'll be 14 years wow. in September. That's great. And it's going great. I have 10 bands a session. And I was doing a lot of teaching, but now I just focus on getting people who already know how to play, and then I'll find a spot for them in one of my rock room bands. Well, understood. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, that's pretty much where we are today I, I left out some good stuff but <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're definitely getting back to it so yeah, don't worry we will, yeah. <laughs> i had a question though about nashville yeah. um you mentioned it twice did you go twice or was it just one stent in nashville i went there right after high school to uh to go to school okay and then i um i went down there a number of times after that but the the one time that i mentioned uh was i think i was in 82 but i have been there before you know i've been there quite a bit now you're um and this is just me being ignorant but you're more into the rock style of music is that accurate another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, and this is a yes setup no. for my next one. <laughs> I mean, most of the bands I've played in have been top 40 bands. So okay. whatever you hear on the radio. Gotcha. But as a songwriter, I write all kinds of uh, different music, country, rock, blues. I do instrumental stuff. I do orchestral stuff. Um, I have a YouTube channel that's just for my music. It's uh, uh, Phil Fly Zuckerman Music. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, it's, I learned that from the Beatles because the Beatles didn't just do one genre of music. They right. did all kinds of things. Sure. And I thought that was so liberating, you know, that you could do that. Uh, so that's kind of what I've followed is, you know, whatever I think of, I write it. If it happens to be country, then it's a country song. And 
Okay. And so on. So I know, I mean, I know all different kinds of people are drawn to Nashville and they don't have to mm-hmm. sing country music. Uh, and a lot of people don't get that. Um, but the other thing that got my attention about you was your interest and your involvement in the recording and the DJ side of things. Um, was the production side of music what drew you to Nashville? Was it the songwriting? Or uh, I would venture to say that it wasn't country music. Am I right? Right. It was mainly the songwriting. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, another reason I went there was uh, my father had an army buddy who lived there. And I was able to, you know, stay with them some. And they helped me get situated. And they would have me over for meals and that thing. That's nice. So uh, that was nice. I, uh, my question revolves around what you're getting at there. I was just trying to think of what it must be like to, you know, someone tells you you got to move out here. That's got to be a daunting task to sort of, you know, where, you under, where you've lived your life and all of a sudden you just uproot and not only go out of the, the state, but you go all the way across the United States. How, what was going through your mind at that time? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Was it everything? Nervous, scared, excited, all that kind of hell? How, do you remember? Well, I remember the day that I left, I was driving to my brother's house because he's going to make the trip with me across okay. the country. All right. And I had a van loaded with stuff, you know. And I had to pull over, and I was just bawling my eyes out because I was so scared. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, how old was I then? I was, was I 30? I don't know how old I was. But anyway, I, I was scared out of my wits. Really? Yeah, it just... Uh, yeah, that it was really traumatic for me, but um, it was one of those things we had to see it through, though, right? Like that was you had to see where it was going to go, right? Yeah, I was. It's that kind of thing where you got to get it out of your system, right? Okay, it, yeah. If you don't do it, you're going to regret yeah. it. Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, it was it was real hard to do, but I mean, I have some students today that ask me, you know, what for advice and stuff, and I say. <laughs> Man, you got to get out of Winchester. You got <laughs> to go somewhere where it's. Well, I don't know, I, and I'm sure you've you know you hear about it because you're you're still keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on. But we have so many of those kind of artists right now, you know, um, Brennan Edwards, Jay Cohn, Chris Hunt Jr., all these guys, you know, that are you know, low order bridge bands. Another one. I mean, there, there's there's bands and groups around here right now that are are where you were i think then you know they're kind of too big for here and they, they got to make the next step i'm sure they're going to listen to this and go man i wonder how he felt you know and it, it just reminds me of that i guess is the only point i want to make out of that is we have a lot of folks that are on the same doorstep as you were back in that day so but i feel like that's normal right because you're you're trusting yourself to an extent that maybe you haven't before and you're trusting yourself in a performance aspect where it's not so much just like a memory um, type of job where you can go do math somewhere. You can right. go across the country and do math. Math is the same here to there. Uh, but, you know, your voice goes out. Um, you know, instruments break. You run out of money. There's there's a lot more vulnerability with music moving around like that, I think. Did you settle in quickly? Do you remember? Well, luckily I had a cousin that lived out there. He and his wife, and they had a daughter. So I was able to stay with them for a while until I found a place to live. Um, And that was another reason why I was able to make the decision to do it in the first place, because I knew I had that contact out there. Otherwise, I'm not sure if I would have gone. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was was, uh, 
difficult. And of course, you know, my brother going with me, that helped out a lot. Um, Linda and I got an appoint, uh, apartment out there. And <laughs> one day there was a knock on the door and there was two guys. And they, I said, uh, can I help you? And they, they asked me some question or something and I kind of turned them away. So what turned out, what happened was I had left my keys in the door when I came home the night before. Oh, boy. And they had gotten the keys, and they were going to come in and see if there was anything they could take if I hadn't been there, you know. Oh and then I uh, found out that they had stolen stuff out of my van, some equipment and stuff. So, yeah, there's some stories there. Oh, my gosh. But one of the best things out there was uh, we got to see Dan Fogelberg, who was one of my all-time heroes, um, at the Anaheim Civic Center. And it was just him. He played piano and some songs, and he would play guitar. And it was just unbelievable. So that that's on in Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you if you cross paths with some of the folks that you admired, and you just said Dan Fogelberg. Um, was there others? I mean, did you get a chance to perform with anyone that you were excited about or anything like that? Um, no, I actually didn't do any performing out there. Uh, we also saw Kenny Rankin, who okay. was uh, one of uh, Linda's favorite singers. Uh, saw him at a small club. Um, no, we we didn't. Of course, you know the cost of living out there is crazy. I think we had cardboard boxes for tables and yeah. mattress on the floor, kind of thing. You know, cockroaches in our coffee in the morning. <laughs> Sweet uh, memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the band I was in, there was a girl singer. And we still keep in, in touch, actually. And she had a friend who uh, wrote lyrics, and she asked me to put music to some of her lyrics, which I did. And we recorded a few of those out there. So, uh, yeah, we, we had some good times. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. So there's a couple bands, Phil, that um, we need to talk about specifically um i think mod and the rockers is one of them we should probably talk about we since, need to yeah since uh it's a local and then the fly everybody's got to know where phil fly comes from sure where you want to start <laughs> we had boo on and he helped us a little bit but we'd like to hear some from you too well let's start with fly where right. did I, where did i get that nickname we uh we used to practice at uh gary haynes's house in the basement and uh, his father was uh Harry Haynes Sr., and he was a trumpet player. He had big bands back in the days, and the Virginians, I think they were called, uh, very well-known. But anyway, uh, instead of calling me Philip, he would call me Flylip, so he just switched the letters around. Okay. <laughs> and then eventually just got short to fly, and that's that's where it came that's from. That's the mystery. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Ma and the Rockers actually were, were together together, I was in another band called the Princetons uh, with Gary Haynes. And uh, for some reason, I, I don't remember why it happened, but the guitar player for Modern the Rockers was Ricky Oates. And he decided to leave the band. And I was interested in joining that band because right at that time I had just started getting interested in, in lead guitar. Up to that point, it was mostly I played rhythm guitar and I played keyboards. And so I, <laughs> I went to an audition for them, and um, at some point in the audition, 
I ripped all the strings off of my guitar. Oh, wow. Ripped them? Ripped them off with wow. my hand. And that sold them. They said, <laughs> they said you're in. That's right. <laughs> this guy's got... Yeah. yeah, man, that's awesome. That's an interesting way to, to make a band for sure. The Fly was a, uh, was a big band right here for a while as well. And you... Uh, I remember specifically the drummer that you had, Buddy Stroudman. You mentioned him earlier. Yeah, Buddy's a, a life lifelong friend, I'm sure. Yes. And uh, honestly, I don't know if people remember or not, but Buddy's one of the probably the best drummers we've had around this area for a long time. And you guys continue to, to communicate and stay friends, right? Oh, sure. He he comes to uh, the rock room concerts when we have those. As a matter of fact, the next concert will be August the twentieth at the Bright Box. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, he likes to come because uh, my drum teacher, Justin, does kind of a drum uh, performance at the beginning where his students get up and they'll play along with the track. And uh, so he likes to come and watch the young drummers. I bet so, yeah. uh, And they have some good ones, good drummers. Uh, I've got some really good young guitar players this time. Uh, It's it's cool because it just takes me back to when I started. Right, right. It brings back all those memories and all those feelings and everything. So I'm sure that's something you get to enjoy quite a bit then, because when you started the rock room, you know, seeing these young players and and your influence on them, and then the experiences that you've had, you've already told us they draw on those. That must be really rewarding for you to be able to see these folks grow musically, you know, all the time. It is. And, but I've, I've gotten to realize that it's not so much about the music as it is about them gaining some confidence, uh, learning how to work with other people, uh, taking some responsibility for things. Uh, that's what I've really seen the most is how some of them really come out of their shells and grow in that way. Right. And the, the music is just what it is. You know, some people are really good. Some people are beginner level, but that's fine. They can still play well enough to be in the band. Sure. And uh, and that and that's really what I focus on is just to make it as low stress as possible. You know, they get enough of that outside in the real world. They don't need to come to me. And Very that, true. You know, uh, so I, I just let them come in and have fun. If they want to talk, they talk. You know, if they want to play, they play. That's right. And uh, that's my philosophy. Very good. So Phil, I know as a musician, as somebody who plays guitar, I've had uncountable amount of people ask me if they could teach if i could teach them how to play guitar um and of course i taught myself here and there uh type of deal and you know i say yeah i could teach you but you you have to you've got to buy into it now when the first person asked you to teach them were you was your heart open to it or were you just kind of like i don't know how to go about this and you had to learn how to teach first or was it just something that was inherent to you that's a good question. I actually started teaching when I was a senior in high school. Uh, there was uh, a, a competing music store called, uh, was it Melody Music? No. Uh, I forget. It was across the street from uh, g and Yes. Holiday. Well, Holiday, Holiday Music. There you go. Holiday Music. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, I would, after school, I'd go there and, and would teach. You know, and of course, then you just use the how Leonard book or the Mel Bay book, whatever, teach them how to read the notes. And so I, I got introduced to that early on. And then 
I taught off and on over the years up until I started teaching at Shenandoah Music. And um, for, from a teacher viewpoint, the most important thing is just, you just have to have patience. You know, some people pick up on things quickly. Some people, it's a little bit more of a struggle. And you just have to give them time and, and let them go at their own pace, you know. Uh, what I started to do after a while was uh, focus more on getting people started on learning songs as soon as possible, something that they would enjoy and they can relate to it. Yeah, yeah. And it would help them want to practice it, you know. And uh, some people also might not have the the bug I call it, you know, to where. Like for me, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get home from school so I could play my guitar. Sure. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's almost like kids today that with video games, you know, they'll get a video game and play it for hours and hours and hours. You almost have to have that same kind of passion for the guitar because it's, right. you know, at first it hurts your fingers. You know, you got to develop some calluses on your fingers. Um, and so you have to get over that hump, you know. And the only way you're going to do that is if you if you really uh, are compelled to do it and have a passion for it and, and motivated. And I think it also helps, uh, like when I first meet with someone, I go through a bunch of questions, you know, who's your favorite singer, who's your favorite guitar player, you know, all these questions to right. get an idea of their interest level. Gotcha. Right? So I can get a lot of information from that. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do well or not do well. But if I have someone come in, comes in, they say, uh, you know, I've, I like this band and I've been teaching myself some chords. And when you see that kind of motivation, then, you know, you have you right. know, gotcha. a, a good prospect because, uh, the teacher is really only as good as the student. Yeah. When it comes Understood. down to yeah. it. Now you haven't only taught guitar, correct? You've taught other instruments. I have taught bass guitar and uh, a little bit of drums, some keyboard, uh, just the basic, you know. Is there one easier to teach somebody than the other? Just matter on the person. Well, um, as far as physically, a keyboard is pretty easy to play because you just push down a key and you get a nice sounding note. Sure, It doesn't hurt your finger. Right, (laughs) true, yeah. And playing chords on a keyboard is really easy. You just, you know, three fingers, three notes, you have a chord. So, um, and I actually have um, on my YouTube channel keyboard lessons. Uh, they're free. Anybody can go look at those. I call it the McCartney method because it's basically what Paul McCartney does. He plays chords and he sings. Sure. You know? yeah. So you don't have to learn to read the notes and, uh, you know, you don't have to do anything really complicated. Right. You know, P- I mean, piano is a difficult instrument if you really get into uh, classical things like that. You know. Gotcha. But if you're just playing pop music or uh, jazz, God forbid, jazz chords. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if I've noticed a couple of questions about the rock room, I was thinking about. First of all, it's sort of all ages down there, right? You got you have an adult group as well. Correct? Yes, I have uh, four adult bands. Nice. And my wife Linda plays bass guitar with two of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I put her to work, man. Yeah, so that's a good idea. <laughs> And are you know for somebody that was wanting to get involved in something like that, you contacting you obviously we've talked about, but at first are do you have extra instruments or do they need to provide their own? How does that work? Most of them, uh, yeah, pretty much you have to have your own instrument. Okay. That way, you have something to practice with. At sure, home. understood. Yeah. 
Uh, sometimes I'll get uh, instruments donated to the rock room. So if somebody needs something, and if I have something on hand, then I give that to them to help, help them get started. Right. That happens quite a bit, actually. I certainly don't expect you to get into specifics either, because I know sometimes people are careful about this, but yourself playing as long as you've played you know do you have a collection of wonderful guitars that you call your kids or or do you just not get attached to instruments how's that work for you i don't really get attached uh, over the years being a struggling musician i never really had the finances to collect or <laughs> yeah, anything i can understand as a matter of fact there was uh, this was in the early 70s i guess i was with a band and the keyboard player had a brother and he had a uh, Fender Broadcaster, which was a precursor to the Telecaster. And he wanted 500 bucks for it. And I just didn't have the money. And today that thing would be worth a small fortune. Sure, right. So over the years, I've just gotten what I needed for the job at hand, you know. And if if something else came along, I would sell that and then buy what I needed, <laughs> you know. Um, so, no, I don't really have uh, that many instruments uh myself and plus i i don't like changing strings <laughs> <laughs> i can understand that that's for sure yeah it's just amazing to me I, I don't know i looked up of course some old fenders for sale seventy two thousand dollars <laughs> now we're not maybe talking about the one you had but just right. instruments are insane some sometimes man yep. and you just never know what to hang on to until it's too late sometimes um i only have one question for you phil about the um the rock room and i'm, I'm going to show you a picture and i want to know if you teach this technique and and and, <laughs> and for people that can't see it phil has his mouth on the guitar oh wow yeah what are you doing and do you teach that i do not teach that um it's beautiful by the way because i don't have liability insurance <laughs> uh well, this is something I got from Jimi Hendrix. I kept, you know, when I was a kid, and people say, Jimi Hendrix plays guitar with his teeth. I said, how in the heck does he do that, you know? So I started messing around with it just on the, the high E string. I would try to play that high E string with my teeth. And then um, when I was with Mod and the Rockers, we did uh, the song You Keep Me Hanging On by Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> it had that da 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 So I would do that with my Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So that was the beginnings of that. And um, over the years, I was able to get to where I could play a little bit more than just one note. Yeah. Uh, but I have the sharpest teeth in town. Yeah. I, I'd imagine so, man. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's impressive, I tell you. You see a lot of people do it. Is it is it as hard as it looks? Well, it's I'm good at covering up mistakes. Yeah, I'll gotcha. say that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. Because I've been in a bunch of bands. I don't think I've ever had anybody in my band play with their teeth. Although I've seen it, but it always looks sort of like, man, that's probably pretty hard to do, I would imagine. Well, I used to, you've seen people put the guitar behind their head. Yeah, play. well, that's true, yeah. And I used to do that, but uh, after my, I had reverse shoulder surgery, and uh, I can't do that anymore, so. You've mentioned some of the influences that you've had, McCartney and Fogelberg and some of those. Do you have... Is there music that's current now that you you enjoy? Like, you're hearing new things from a specific artist or anything like that now that you like? Well, the, a lot of the young bands that I have, you know, when we start a session, 
they all bring in songs that they want the band to consider okay, to yeah. play for that session. And so I'm always hearing, you know, new stuff. I might not be able to remember who it was, but um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. As a matter of fact, it's just uh, there's so much stuff out there now that it's really hard to keep up with, you know. But um, I really like uh, Billie Eilish. I think she's brilliant. Uh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't nice. pick that. For yeah, you. that's nice. So yeah. Uh, great singer, uh, great songs. Uh, she and her brother are a great pair. Uh, he does great production. He got producer of the year. Um, and uh, when they do a concert, it's her and her brother and a drummer. Of course, some of the tracks are you know recorded. But, sure. And she just puts on a whole show by herself, pretty much, and it's just amazing to be able to do that, especially. At that young age. Uh, who else? Um, of course, I like bands like the Foo Fighters. Nice. Uh, a lot of the bands do that stuff. Probably the the song that has done the most is uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, by yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. Almost all the bands do that. You that or uh, Seven Nation Army. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing new stuff all the time. It's it's great. That is, that's got to be pretty rewarding for sure. Yeah. Phil, we could have four episodes with you, man. <laughs> I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. I mean, is that an accurate statement? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we got to have you back on. Yeah. But in this episode, we have plenty of time. What do you want to touch on that we haven't yet? Well, um, over the years, I have had the privilege of, of meeting some uh, musicians that uh, I could talk about. Yeah. Um, when <laughs> when when I had the band Fly, we had an event once where uh, Wolfman Jack came to town. Oh, right. He's not a musician, but, you know, he's probably one of the more well-known DJs. At Absolutely, time. yeah. And we got to meet him, spend some time with him. And um, I was with a group called Milk and Honey, and we were doing some traveling and uh our manager brought us over to his room, and sitting on the bed there was Charlie Daniels. <laughs> Very cool. Playing a guitar. And this was before he really got really well known. Understood. Because he was, well, he was friends with our manager. Did he have the hat on? Um, I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. But I, Pre-hat. I don't remember. Pre-hat. <laughs> Charlie Daniels. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this manager uh, came to a club we were playing one night, and he had Charlie McCoy with him. Oh, yeah. Who's the well-known harmonica player, although he plays guitar and other things. And he got up and sat in with us and, and played. Um, when I was in California, you know, they had the Troubadour out there. Yes. And uh, they had, one day of the week, they had a thing where they would have kind of an open mic. Thing. Okay. Yeah. So you could go there, and the first... I think the first four people that were in line would, would get to do that. So I drove up there one day. I was number five. Oh, dang. <laughs> and uh, there was some girl there. She was number four, and we were talking, you know. And I, I said, are you going to stay? She said, yeah, I'm going to stay. So I ended up leaving. So I never got to do that. I, I regret that. Wow. And after the, uh, after the band broke up that I was with out there, I ended up getting a job delivering flowers at a flower shop in L.A., all over the place. I guarantee you. And 
they had a, a, a map book that was, I don't know, three or four inches thick. And I, I don't see to this day how I did that, but uh, that was terrible. Yeah, you had to figure out where places were exactly. while you're driving. Oh, my now, gosh. Well, the, uh, luckily, the people at the flower shop, would they'd say, go here first, then go there. Sure, there. okay. Yeah. And uh, I know one night, Linda and I were out delivering flowers. Uh, it must have been Valentine's, I guess. We were out till midnight delivering flowers in the rain. In the uh, 80s, my, my dad was uh, mayor of Winchester. Yeah. And uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter came to perform at Hanley. And my dad had to go out of town for something. <laughs> and he asked me if I wanted to give him the key to the city. Oh, wow. I said, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. And um, when I, I, it was the key to the city and a couple other little you know, knickknacks, whatever. Sure. And I slipped in a cassette of my songs. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> oh, man. Smart I never heard thinking. anything from it, but, you know, you got to take the yeah. opportunity when it yeah. comes up, right? Yeah. And at that time, Marty Stewart was playing with it. Yeah. So that was real cool to see that. Uh, and actually, on YouTube somewhere, I found there's a recording of his performance at Hanley. Oh, wow. It's not video, but it's audio for it. Uh, who else was there? Uh, B.J. Thomas performed there, and I, I gave a tape to him. And uh, around that time, I was playing in a piano bar at uh, at Yams. Yes. And, uh, you know, Paul Newman used to come to race at Summit Point. Yes. Yeah. And he stayed there at the hotel. Did he really? Wow. So uh, I didn't know he was there, but I'd gone to the bathroom or something, and I was getting ready to come back into the lounge, and he was getting ready to come out. And, of course, there's not room for two people. So we kind of stood there and stared at each other because I was taken aback. Sure, it's, yeah. It's Newman, you know? And he's kind of looking at me. <laughs> so I just stepped out of the way, and he went on past. You know? Wow. That's that's back in the day. Your interaction with Johnny Cash, was it was it fun? Was he amicable? How, how did that work? Well, I mean, you know, it was just, you know, here's the key to the city, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really get to spend any time I gotcha. okay. or anything. Understood, you know? yeah. But uh, it was still pretty cool. And then uh, at the Rock Room, I had a visit from Paul English and Dan Spears, who were uh, the drummer and bass player with uh, Willie Nelson. Okay. And it's make a long story short, I knew somebody who uh, knew somebody who uh, worked for uh, for Willie, <clears throat> and. Uh, I struck up a, a, a communication with her, and she arranged for them to visit the rock room when they were here to perform. Sure. That was 2009. So I got some photos with that. And uh, let's see. I uh, did a gig with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Skunk Baxter. Uh, they were here. Dan was here. He was, uh, uh, what do you call it, Apple Blossom? Yeah. He, Grand he Marshall. Grand Marshall, yeah. yeah. I think I remember this show. I he think. and his wife, yeah. And uh, so we, we played with them for that. I didn't really, again, spend a lot of time with him. We had a rehearsal, and then we played that gig. Uh, and his brother-in-law, Roy Dixon, yes, was here. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And so he, he put all that together, but that was kind of neat. And what else? Um, I have a student uh, who ended up being on the Ellen DeGeneres show two times. Oh, nice. That was John Robert Rimmel. And young man, he's out in California still, and he's got some records out, and 
doing some touring. So that that's pretty cool to be associated with yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, is there anything else? Oh, yeah, Jeff Healy. I met Jeff, great guitar player. Uh, this was in the 90s, and I was involved with uh, Pritchard Amplifiers. I was a, a consultant for uh, Eric Pritchard, and uh, Jeff Healy was considering uh, using his amps and being, sure. a, being a sponsor. And we went to a club in Charlottesville to see him, and he was using the amps. Went on his tour bus and stuff, so that was pretty neat. Yeah, man. You have I slipped a people. tape to them, too. <laughs> Good idea. I don't believe you. Keep them on her toes, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I've had some close encounters, but not really spending any time with any of them, but still it was kind of neat, you know, to me. Yeah. Um, Skunk Baxter was here for a Blues House event, and uh, we jammed on some songs, I think. Boy, I tell you. There's a video on YouTube for that, I think, too. That guy's, I'm sure, has stories. The people he's played with. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's phenomenal. In the Steely Dan days. And oh, my gosh. I can't imagine what he he could tell you, I'm sure. But it had to be a lot of fun to meet him, for sure. Uh, One thing I was going to ask you about, you know, as you're going through these real quick, Chris and I, you know, are sort of riding the wave of this new explosion of places to play and, and these new groups and things that are around. Have you felt that same thing? Because you were, you've been through it all. Like you started back in the day when it's probably hard to find a place to play. Like you, I don't know where you, st- you know, sort of, sort of venues you had back when you first started with Modern Rockers. But right now we have this big explosion of places for people to be able to go plug in and play. And have you felt that too? Have you seen that? Yeah, it's it's really good now. Um... But when we first started, there were uh, teen clubs in all the cities. Okay. Uh, they had the TAC Club here in Winchester at the War Memorial Building. So we, we had a circuit that we played. We'd go to Strasburg and Front Royal and Winchester and Martinsburg and just rotate. Okay. So we played quite a bit, yeah. Wow. They, sh- they should bring that back. Yeah, that's kind of a different uh, feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kids always want something to do. But you know what's wild is that uh, apparently you don't need a teen circuit anymore, teen clubs, because these um, a couple of these younger guys we've had on the show that are 15 and 13 uh, are playing in some places they probably shouldn't be playing in (laughs) still today. And uh, I just tell you, if you want to play somewhere... Today, around the Winchester area, you can do it. Yeah. And now you don't have to play in a bar in West Virginia that you're not supposed to be in, but there are plenty of of restaurants and breweries. There's new breweries downtown. Uh, Everybody's got live music everywhere you look. Yeah. Sure do. I I think there's still a need for a place for, you know, high school age uh, people to go to. We don't really have that. Uh, so that would be, I've thought about doing that myself, but. Um, well, what you're doing is so good too, because it gives them an, uh, you know, a place to rehearse, get in with a band. I mean, you could do everything at your location, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, not only practice, but, you know, figure out how to play with other people and everything. That's really important too. God bless you on that. That's been great. One well, also, I need to mention the Bright Box has been uh, really great. They, you know, we use their facility for our concerts and, and, uh, they uh, take care of us really well, so we, we couldn't do it without them. If you ever talking to them and they'd like to do a show with us, that would be great. You can put yeah. a bug in their ear if you don't want. Yeah. yeah. I'll grab their contacts yes. from you before you leave. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you know, we've gotten with a bunch of these places downtown, um, the monument specifically. I don't know if you've had any dealings with them, but uh, they just seem to be pulling some music and oh, talent so in, not only from just um, outside, but here in Winchester, too. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's really good at showcasing what we got. Yeah, the monument's doing a great job. They're bringing in some good groups, and uh, we've been there a couple times for, uh, you know, they've had an open mic, right. which is really good. And uh, it's a great, really nice place. Oh, it sure yeah. is. It sure is. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Uh, did we miss anything? Is there anything you want? We want to make sure everybody remembers about the Hanley one year, 100 year anniversary celebration. So make sure we got all that out there for everybody to, to check out for sure. The only thing I would add is that uh, a lot of these events that are putting on are costing a lot of money. So uh, it's really helpful uh, for people to support the events. Yeah. And even if you didn't go to Hanley. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, any support we can get for these events is greatly appreciated. Well, yeah, absolutely, because um, even though we're in the county, that's still an icon around here, and that school it means so much to the community that we all need to help, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Phil, thanks for being on. Thanks for telling me a little bit more about you, somebody who didn't know a whole lot. Now I do. Yeah. Uh, again, we have to have you back on at least for one more episode. Uh, much like Tim Ferriss, you told us all the nuts and bolts, but we want to get deeper than that with yeah, you because I know sure. you got some stories and uh, some laughs we could probably share uh, later. That would be great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Be sure to give Buddy Startleman a high five from me too. He'll, I'll, I'll he'll remember, that. I think, because I bought his drum set. He'll remember that. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, anyway, if you paid him, yeah, that's. I think. <laughs> I think so. Dad might have did that. I'm not sure, but anyway, cool. <laughs> But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we roll out, Chris, man, I better give the answer to that trivia question. What do you think? Yeah, do you remember it? Yeah, the trivia question was, what was the most downloaded song of the 20th century? And um, this is going to be one that everybody's going to know instantly. You can roll their eyes probably because they're going to go, oh, yeah, I get it. But you got another guess? Do you have a guess? Is it Inner a Sandman. That's a good guess. Is it a Beatles song? No, actually, it's not. It's it. I'm going to go ahead and give it out. It's it's. Don't stop believing from Journey, ah. the most downloaded loaded song of the 20th century. How about that? So hopefully you're a little bit smarter, folks. After Phil Zuckerman <laughs> talked to you and I gave you that trivia question, now you know more than you did when the show started. So the you're song, welcome. The song that Brian Dick and I have played at every single wedding yes, we've ever DJed. Yes, and sporting events too, for sure. Yeah. That's well, Chris, man, thank you for for putting on what you do. I mean, I couldn't do this without you. You know it. Yeah, man, no problem. Episode 53 wrapping up. We thank you guys so much uh, for uh, supporting us, supporting Phil, supporting uh, all the local musicians and venues here in Winchester, Virginia. Absolutely. And happy birthday once again, America. And for those of you that haven't heard yet, please, no lounging in the left lane. Until we meet again, peace. <laughs>